Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Um, so today I'm going to talk about some things, but I want to start off with a story. And um, it's a little bit of a long story, but it's powerful. And, uh, and that's what I want to talk about today is powerful and living our lives uh, in a powerful state, reliance, relying on Jesus Christ to lead us by the power of his Holy Spirit. We live in a, in, in a time where people are trying to guide and direct each one of us in different places, and, 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 and it, it draws us as Christians, and it draws other people to God's word and what it identifies us as. And, we, and I'm going to talk about that today, and I'm going to talk about what that means in regards to our practical life, where we're moving to, where we're going to as a church, individually, and even our families. So I want to start off this story today of something that happened in the middle of COVID. And uh, in 2020, around this time frame, is, and uh, my, a buddy of ours got, uh, contacted us. He's from our Emerge, uh, our Emerge team. And he hit up the Emerge team. And he's like, hey, guys, uh, my wife just had a baby. The baby's amazing. Things are great. Um, wife, not so much. There is high blood pressure. There's heart problems. And they're keeping her in, in the hospital longer. Can you guys pray? And uh, I love it that we have a community that can reach out to each other and intercede and, and help break us through the circumstances, the situations, the health problems, the, the life things that occur. And um, so we all were praying. And it was a Friday. They had the, the baby. I think he gave the, he let us know within a day or two, like, hey, she's still in the hospital. There's stuff going on. And I talked with him on the phone. And I was like, hey, okay, let's, let's pray. So we prayed over the phone. And uh, I had a vision. I was like, hey, I see your wife walking out of the hospital. I see her just walking out. And uh, which I was glad I had something to bring to the table, had a vision. But I didn't realize that she had a C-section. And I guess when you have a C-section, you, you don't walk out of the hospital. <laughs> they kind of wheel you out and like put you in a car. And um, they're like, go heal, heal that off. And, uh, but, uh, but I didn't know that at the time. So I was like super full of faith that she was going to walk out of the hospital, and I really believed that vision was from the Lord. But um, I prayed with him over the phone, but then things did not get better. He continued to post uh, messages like, hey, just, just, and we're like, hey, we're interceding with you. And I realized that, you know, I, I, I lean on that scripture about the centurion that told Jesus, like, whoa, 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 you don't need to come to my house. I'm under authority. I understand authority. You just say the word, and I know that my servant will be healed. And uh, I think sometimes we can lean on that too much. And I think uh, for me, uh, many times it's been a cop-out to actually put my faith into physical action and kind of make my presence matter and make a difference. So I was driving on the highway a few days after kind of all this was going on, and I, we're almost at like a week of her still in the hospital, dealing with sickness, dealing with high blood pressure. And the, um, I'm heading south. I, I didn't know exactly which hospital they were in, but I was at the 15 at that fork between the 15 and the 163, and I just had this thought in my head, I bet she's at that hospital there. I wonder if I could just stop by. And I was like, ah, no, I can just go home. I'm going to keep praying in my prayer closet or on my way home. I can pray. But I was like, well, I don't even know if, if I can do it. I'm just going to, I was like, worst case scenario, I'll just, I'll just bust a UE and then go back on the 52 and go home. 
So I, I headed towards the hospital. And on the way there, I finally got a hold of my buddy. And it's uh, uh, Williams and, uh, and uh, Swetha are good friends. And uh, on our merge team, well, she wasn't on the merge team. But uh, <laughs> it was them who have their child. And I talked with them. They said I could just share anything from this experience. So I, I'm headed to the hospital. And it's middle of COVID, May of tw- maybe June of 2020. And um, I'm just like, well... He, he's like, yo, I can meet you at the hospital. I'm, this is the right hospital. I was like, good, I made the right decision. I'm going to the right hospital, and, uh, which was the Lord, yeah. saying, hey, go to this hospital. And uh, I was on my way, and I was like, well, this thought came in, like, I probably can't even get in the hospital. You hear all the horror stories, and many of us have experienced some things uh, during COVID. These hospitals are just like prisons. And um, so I was like, well, maybe I can meet him outside, and we can, we can put our hand on the building and just declare... <laughs> Mm, Lord, this building is yours. And um, literally, I was like, what can we do? <laughs> and sometimes I realize that, you know, if I, can do, if I do what I can do, then, then God can do what only he can do. And um, so in this instance, I'm like, all right. So we get to the hospital, and I'm like, okay, I'm about to pray up this wall, pray up this outside wall, a sharp uh, maternity building. And um, he shows up. He comes downstairs. He's all chipper. And he's like, hey, uh, here. Get, this is today's visitors. This is today's pass that I have. It's mine. Here. He puts it over my head. And then he's like, you just go up there. My wife's at this floor. She's in this room. Just go on in there and then just come down when you're done. And I'm like, what? Okay. So I'm just walking. And through this hospital, I walk in the front door. I'm like, um... But I, I didn't hesitate, right? Because if you're going to do something, we just got to go all in, you know? <laughs> like, if you're right or wrong, the Lord's going to meet you there. You just got to do it, you know? God doesn't want wishy-washy, shaky-shaky Christians. He wants your yes to be yes and your no to be no. So I was like, all right, well, I got this pass. And to be honest, I don't even remember if I had a mask on. I'm just going to believe I didn't have a mask on. <laughs> so I'm just walking. I was like, elevator, I go to the elevator, and I get the elevator. And I was like, the floor I'm going to. And I get, I get to the floor, and I remember him saying, to the right, and this is the room number. And I'm like, to the right, there's the room number. Nobody's stopping me. And this is when I realized I'm invisible. <laughs> and I was like, it's a miracle. It's a miracle right there on the spot. I wasn't even supposed to be there. I was on my way home. And so we get to this point, and I... Like, I know I'm invisible even because I walk in the room. I open the door. There is a nurse in the room. So I walk in the door, and the nurse just goes like this and walks out. (laughs) Doesn't say hi to me, nothing. I shut the door, and I'm like, I am invisible. (laughs) This is amazing. (laughs) And uh, now, uh, Swetha and Williams, they're they're spirit-filled Christians. I'm spirit-filled Christians. God loves that. He loves that we're not just saved by grace, living a dredging life, but that we actually get filled with the Holy Spirit, that we actually partner with the Holy Spirit. So I'm talking with her. We're like, let's figure this out. Because obviously sickness is not authored by God. Ever, ever, ever. The authority of sickness has to submit to God's, the power of sickness has to submit to God's authority. So we're just trying to figure this out. I was like, all right, well, let's, we prayed over the room, we prayed over you. And I just started praying over her. And in that moment, you know, she had high blood pressure. It was like 200 over something. 
was her high blood pressure, that's what keeping her in the hospital after having a cesarean for a perfectly fine baby, we don't even know what's going on. And I pray over her, and we're praying together. It was a partnership, and I just started speaking over her, like, Father, we, we cover this room in the name of Jesus. And, and I almost said these words, and I had to stop because it's, it would have been inappropriate for me to say this. But I say, Lord, I almost said, I give you, I, I speak a mother's blessing over you. <laughs> Which last I checked, it would have been okay if I said maybe a father's blessing. It's a little more appropriate. Maybe I was the, but mother's blessing, something was, I was like, oh. I was like, why? I stopped the prayer. I was like, hey, why did I almost pray a mother's blessing over you? And then she instantly started crying and, and, and started sharing with me that she, uh, her and her mother's relationship was strained and has been strained for years. And, and the way that uh, she was raised and, and she had developed some unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment towards her mother to the point where when the baby had been born and she's in the hospital, she's ghosting her mom mom's calls and text messages. So we were able to communicate with each other. We were able to bring that to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the way that I uh, treated my mother. The, the way I, and we able, in that moment, actually, there was, there was a release. There was a release that, that uh, once she took responsibility for her side, and she was able to forgive by the power of the Holy Spirit in that room at that moment once it was revealed. And, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was beautiful. It was great. And we, and we wrapped it up. I was like, oh, that's it. We're going to be great, you know. And I left. And that was the end of the story for me for a couple years. And I was chatting with them last night about it. And they're like, yeah, when you left the room, five minutes later, Williams came back up. And, and then I called my mom. And, and I had a beautiful conversation with her. And I was able to apologize to her and, and let her know I'm, I'm sorry for holding this against you and for, for, for ghosting your calls and text messages. And, and it and she was able to completely reconcile. And they said, for, since, since it's now three years, for three years, complete reconciliation in the relationship between her and her mother. It's never been better. The baby, it's never been better. And it gets even better than that. So I'm gone. And I had showed up around lunchtime in the afternoon. So snuck into the hospital, snuck out, you know, and because uh, I was invisible. And... Um, but they said that then the, the doctor came in and they're like, hey, we want uh, blood pressure so high. We want to be able to, we want to max out your meds that you have. And, but uh, within, but come evening time, this is, it was a Friday, a, week, a full week after being in the hospital, not because of giving birth to a beautiful child, but because of that, that she, her blood pressure was completely back to normal that evening and got discharged from the hospital the next day, the next day. Completely healed, and from this day, like since that moment, never had high blood pressure issues ever again. And it was so cool because uh, when they got released from the hospital, Williams took a picture of his wife when she was being walking out of the hospital herself. And she was all, she had like a beautiful dress on, you know, like that post-pregnancy dress. The baby's going to look nice, mom's going to look nice, and she's walking out of the hospital like this. And um, I was just like, man, praise God. And... Uh, that every, like his word gets fulfilled. And so today's, today's message uh, and what I'm going to speak on, and, and I've, I've titled it Beyond Limits, Beyond Limits. And each one of us are called to live just like this, beyond limits, the limits of our own understanding, the physical circumstances we're in. God has called us to live beyond those limits. 
The, uh, some examples uh, are from the Bible, actually. And if you didn't know, the Bible's about a story of, of, of Jesus. Everything in the Bible is about Jesus because he is, he is the word of God, and the Bible is the word of God. From beginning to the, the front cover to the very back, it's about Jesus, but it's also about us. It's also about us from the very beginning to the very end because the Bible says it's no longer us who live, but Christ in us. Christ in us is it. So let me read some stories about us through these amazing people in the Bible. Maybe not read the stories, but just go over these real quick uh, to, to share. And this is what we're going to talk about today, that each one of us, each one of us in, in this room who call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior are called to operate beyond our, our current viewpoints of where the limitations are in our life. Each one of us we, you know, we, we spend our life walking out our salvation with fear and trembling and dying daily. And we know it's a process of, of, of becoming more Christ-like. But what isn't a process is having complete, untethered access to God's power, his spirit, his love from the moment you say, yes, Jesus, come into my heart. So we're going to go over that real quickly here. Some of these stories in the Bible, Adam, in the beginning, uh, was called to live beyond limits. In Genesis 1, 26 and 28, says, all of the earth is yours. This is God speaking to Adam when he created him. Excuse me. Let's read it up here. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Also, Noah Noah lived beyond his abilities. Now, now, for Adam, that sounds impossible. Like just one man, one woman, all the earth, take care of it. The, uh, it sounds a little overwhelming. It sounds a little bit like, oh, I think there's going to be some limits on those guys. They're not able. Noah. Noah was told to build a giant boat to house every living creature in the earth in the boat, and he was told to build it in the desert. Makes no sense. Sounds like there's a couple of limitations there. Abraham. God told Abraham and spoke to him and said that your descendants, your kids, and kids' kids, are going to be as numerous as the sand on the sea, uh, the sand on the seashore and in the stars in the sky. Moses. Moses, all right, listen, so I can just imagine this conversation between God and Moses. God's like, hey, look at that burning bush right there. Okay, this is holy ground. I want to tell you something secret, but I'm going to tell it to you, and it's about your call in your life. I want you to go back to this super-duper mega-city nation that doesn't serve me at all, and I want you to free an entire in another nation of people that are inside of it that have been enslaved for 500 years that are completely indoctrinated with a mindset as a slave, and we're just going to go in there, we're just going to walk on out, and I just want you to do that. That sounds impossible. That sounds like there's a few limits there I think Moses would have to address, and... Um, don't worry. Oh, and then, oh, lastly, the disciples. The disciples, Jesus is like, hey, I got to go. I got to go. But I want you to make disciples of all nations, the 11 of you, but don't worry, I'll send you some more, but I'll send you another one later. But all 11 of you, I want you to go into the whole world, the whole world, and I want you to make disciples of everyone, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, bye. And then he ascends into heaven. <laughs> and um, it sounds like there's a, the disciples, I wonder if any of them, maybe Thomas the doubter, Thomas was the doubter, right? He's like, 
I don't know, Lord. Like all the nations? Can we just start with our own nation? And, um, but it sounds like there's some limits there, or at least some potential limits that were put on their mindset. So the first thing I want to highlight, and I'm going to go faster because I have five points. The first point is that we are made in his image. In his image. And God said, and we went over this already, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Part of God's image is having dominion. Next in Ephesians 3.20, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask, think, or imagine, according, now he does abundantly more according to the power at work within us. Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who loves us. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in Ephesians 1.3, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the last one, Ephesians 2.6, that we are seated with Jesus, with him in heavenly places. In, in Christ Jesus, we are seated with him in heavenly places. There's so many scriptures that talk about who we are and how God did not take it. It wasn't an accident. We were created in his image because he knew we would need to come up under the kingship of Jesus Christ and to, so that he may live in us. So his image. And it's important that we identify that uh, we must know who we are. The days of Christians being told, like, God's mad at you. God's not happy with your actions. That, you know, uh, you know, Pray and obey. Just sit back. Just wait. Just wait for power. Just sit. Those days are over. Those days are over. Those religious spirits are being broken off of all of our churches. And each one of us are a minister of the gospel of fire. You're a priest. You're a king and a priest or a queen and a priest. You are called to have a power when you speak, when you share the, what Jesus has done in your life. What God has transformed in your life, it has the power to then transfer over to the people you share it with. And so our image, we have to know, we have to know how we view ourselves based on how God sees us. Next is um, worshiping through walls. One of the big things in regards to going beyond limits, and uh, I run into this a lot, you know, me and Elena, we had one, one time we had um, one, of our, one of our kids... Our, um, whichever one, we have a few. The, um, <laughs> when he was a newborn baby, uh, he had a little, he had a little abscess on his, uh, on his body, and it was so scary because the doctors were like, he's got an abscess. And abscesses can be real bad, and it's like a, time of, a type of bacterial infection. It can just go through, and during the time, I don't know, there was like this big MRSA thing going on and, in the news, and we were just like, Oh my gosh, but we had to pray and we had to worship. And I want to share a scripture in Acts 16, 25, and 26. The setting of this is Paul and Silas, both apostles, both uh, confined in prison for sharing the gospel, for trusting in God, for, for in, in, while in prison. It says, about the midnight hour, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. During times of trouble, 
When we praise God, when we reach to him and say, Father, I don't know what's going on, but I trust in you. I declare your goodness over my life. I thank you, Lord God, that even though there was an abscess on our son's butt, that, yeah, it was on his butt, that it's not going to spread to his body. It's not going to take his life. And we curse it in Jesus' name. And we worship you, Lord God, in this storm, because I know that you're the Lord over the storm. And in those times, in those times to push back limits, that are over our, our life, whether it's a circumstance, whether it's a family issue, whether it's financial, whether it's work-related, to be able to push back and be able to see what the Lord sees in that circumstance, we have to worship. We just have to praise him in Jesus' name. Does anyone want to remove some chains of limitation today? You know, Paul and Silas, they weren't like, listen, we're in prison we got we to gotta do something. And then Silas was like, hey, maybe we could pray and worship. At least it'll pass the time. No, they, that's their lifestyle. That was their lifestyle. They, they, they devoted their life to the Lord, to praising him. And just as Jesus told us to do, the very, when he told us how to pray, the very first thing he said in the Lord's prayer is what? Our Father who art in heaven, holy be your name. That we start our day praising him. We start our day reaching for him, putting him first. And what that does is put a cover of protection over us by removing the ceilings of limitation that the spirit of this world is trying to put over us. Next thing I want to talk about, aside about worshiping, helps break some limits, gets us past limitation, is that also godly relationships. Some of us are listening to things, music, people, TV, Things we're listening to when we're driving down the highway, like, yo, that guy's mad, and now I'm mad. <laughs> the, uh, that we need to cut off. We need to remove them. Um, there's, some, there's some, and I put this in there, there's some life coaches and some therapists that we need to cut off. That we've been trying to, we've been trying to do something natural. We've been trying to just understand our call that the Lord's given us. Lord, who am I? Lord, where am I going? We don't need a life coach or a therapist necessarily to do that. What we need is godly community. What we need is a connect group where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And like, no, yes, you can because you've given your life to Jesus. Yes, you can because God is for you. He's not against you. What you need is godly community, godly relationships to pour into you God's word instead of what the world wants to tell you. Like, let's process your feelings. Let's sit. This is what the, the world, let's process it. Let's just go over it for weeks, how you've been wrong. You have been wronged. Yeah. It's, and, and you just have to deal with it. You know, no, God's word says that we are the head and not the tail. We're not defined by our circumstances. We're defined by his full completed work on the cross. That when he died on the cross, the connection that we have to our, even our own faults, even our own faults and the things that try to define us, when he died on the cross, it severed it. It severed it. And then so when we receive Jesus, we also partake in his death, that those old things that try to tell us the abuses that we were. The abuses that happened to us defines us, cut. The, the broken relationship with mom that, that, uh, that I, I gave an example about earlier, when we take accountability, responsibility for it, we give it back to Jesus, bitterness and offense, cut. 
and we step into who he's called us to be as somebody who's no longer alive on our own, but it's Christ in us for the hope of his glory being revealed through the saints. And you are those saints. We are those saints. So godly relationships. Iron sharpens iron. And so, so one man sharpens another. Big thing I, I just hate, love and don't like about that scripture is that, you know, we are built for adversity. We are built to be sharpened, and sharpening causes sparks. Sharpening causes issues. So as you pursue, and as we pursue even deeper, like right now, many of you are serving. Many of us are connected in connect groups. Many of us are attending church regularly. But the devil will never stop trying to offend us and try to separate us. Like, oh, I went to this connect group, and they told me, they told me some things I didn't like. So I'm going to go to another connect group. And maybe they'll be more lighthearted with me so I can just continue to live being the same person I've always been. Because, so if that was you, I'm sorry. But hey, it's a new day. It's new. The, uh, and I say it out love because we're the same people. The very first thing the, the enemy tried to do when we got to church, and I've said this before, you know, I was like, why is everybody so good looking? Why is everything so perfect? Why am I getting offended all of a sudden? Why is, man, worship's too long. Just such long worship. I don't even, I can't even sing the whole thing. And it was just like all this stuff. I'm like, stop. The devil's just trying to offend, get me to pick up a fence and bring me out of godly relationship. Yeah, we're good on time. The, um, an example I, I want to highlight on godly relationship and connection is when uh, we, we started serving in kids' church. And, you know, it's only once you as an individual or you as a couple or maybe you as a family choose to come up into accountability to fellow believers when you start realizing like, whoa, I don't have my stuff together as much as I thought I did because then you're becoming, you're exposing yourself. And it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to come into this. Some of you today, it was like so courageous to just come here in front of people today. And, uh, but the Lord's bringing you into godly relationship to be able to, to sharpen you, hone you, help bring the gold that's in, your, that's in your calling, it's in your destiny, it's in your fate, because he created you in his image. So he brings you into godly community where there's an umbrella of protection over you and safety. I mean, I, I was in the Marines while serving the Lord, and I was like, it is a night and day difference between community. And one, I'm being, I'm being loved on, I'm giving grace, and I'm, I'm being fed spiritually and naturally. And, and in the other one, I just feel like I'm getting, I'm getting shanked. I'm getting, like, stabbed the whole time. And I was like, this is not community. Ah. It, obviously, the stabbing one wasn't being in church. It was kind of military. It was the military. But so, uh, yeah, I, went, I sidebarred a little bit. The, uh, so we, we showed up and went to kids' church, and I realized some of the sharpening that needed to happen is um, I was able to break through limits I had as a, as a young father, well, as a 35-year-old young father, and um, by and serving in kids' church, because the Lord showed me I was, I was stu- stewarding other people's kids really well. I could just rock it in a classroom. They used to call the two- and three-year-olds turbos back in the day, but we'd have 12 to 22 kids in there, and I was just the kid whisperer. It's like what? Da, 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 da. it's a Pied Piper of spirit-filled kids, and it was just amazing. And but I was stewarding those children that weren't my kids better than I was my own. And there was only four of them. And I was like, why can't I hang out with these kids for an hour that are strangers? And everything's like 
awesome. But these four, I'm with them all the time. And the Lord started working and helping me and sharpening me and uh, to become a better father through being, ser- serving, and, and coming into community in this church. <laughs> Next area I want to talk about is, um, it's very important. We are called to work our butts off. I don't know if you know this. And um, I, I can prove it. <clears throat> Everybody in the Bible had a job to do. There's not a single person who did, and if they did, they were an example of what not to do. Adam, in Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden and put him to work because he had to keep the whole garden of Eden. Now, out of the ground, God had formed many beasts of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. The man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the fields, and like he had all stuff to do, and he had a whole bunch of responsibility. Adam's in the garden with a lot of responsibility. And we talked about a few of these others. Name one person who's a hero of the faith or who had a relationship with God in the Bible that did not have responsibility. So this next bullet point is um, what I like to call metaphorically or literally kill the, kill the couch potato. Kill the couch potato. I, I'm all about some Netflix and chill. And um, when your lifestyle is based off of uh, when I was uh, deployed in the Middle East, there was a, a term that was used a lot. I'd always ask my Iraqi counterparts when I was deployed to the military. I was like, hey, you guys want to get in this convoy and you want to go over here and get these supplies and we're going to go like, get the things going and we want to do a really bunch of good stuff? And they always would say what? Anybody know? Inshallah, which means eh, if God wills it, eh, if God wills it. And that translates directly into the Christian, the, the contemporary Christian faith in the United States oftentimes where we say, God's on his throne, you know? I did it during COVID. I said, everybody calm down. Pastor John, Pastor Becky, everybody calm down because God's on his throne, you know? <laughs> is he not on his throne? But one thing is it's impossible to please God without faith, but faith without works is dead. Uh, I was reading this morning, Elena shared with me. She's like, yeah, I just ran across this. At the end of James chapter 2, it talks about faith in works or faith in deeds. Having faith in something means that you move towards it. All right, Lord, I have faith for a house. I have faith to see El Cajon changed and transformed, no longer being a broken and barren place, but we're going to move forward. In James chapter 2, it says that... that uh, Faith without any works applied to it, meaning without getting up off of the metaphorical couch and taking a step towards it, is no different than having a body with no spirit. It's just dead. It's dead faith. This isn't a house of dead faith. This is a house of transformation where we see faith changing our lives because we come, because we go, because we come and go together in this place. And... Um, Wanted to say one more thing on that. It can, be, it can be difficult to get up off that couch. It can be difficult. To, it's like, man, why, Lord? You know what? Like, you are on your throne. And I'm tired. I, 
was in a, uh, a Christian leadership uh, three-year program with a bunch of strangers for three years and uh, outside of this, uh, outside of Awakened Church. And I remember hearing this older man in the, in the cohort that we were in, and he, and he said that, uh, he explained, like, he doesn't even have the drive to crush life as a Christian. And it was kind of an entrepreneur, like, listen, as Christians, we are to stand up. It's kind of Pathfinders, Pathfinders-ish, really a Christian entrepreneur standing up in kingdom dominion. And he's just like, I just, I don't have a drive as a Christian to crush life. He just, I just want peace. I just want rest. And I, I could really relate with him, but I also understood something that we are not called to sit back and watch the enemy, watch the battle ensue and not, and not be a part of it. And I, I, I asked the Lord, because I've gone through very plenty of seasons of being like, man, I'm done. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be a Christian. I'm just gonna be a Christian. But I realized something that God calls us beyond the limits of, of even how we feel. Now, where does the strength come from? It comes from the Lord. But each one of these, um, each one of these folks in the Bible that we read about, Adam, Adam walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. Jesus, when he called the disciples to go do a whole bunch of crazy stuff, it's insane that actually transformed the whole world. At the very end of that, in uh, Matthew 28, 20, he said, and don't worry, I will be with you even until the end of the age. And he said, I, I have to go to the Father so I can send you the comforter. I can send you the helper. It is impossible to carry out your God calling without having a partnership with the person of the Holy Spirit, the three part of the Trinity. When we had, when me and the uh, me and Elena was going through with 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 uh, our our child's little abscess thing, it was the Holy Spirit comforting us and strengthening us because we received Him. Many Christians fall short and just stop because what they're told is like, "You're saved. You're going to heaven." I remember when I was saved, going to heaven, and all I said, I remember saying, "Wow, this life is over. <laughs> I have messed up so bad. Well, at least I'm going to go to heaven." That's not what God told us to pray, to bring, have your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to show a picture of a comparison uh, picture. I just want to put it up real quick. And I know it's lighthearted, and, uh, and then I'll close. This is on your left. This is my family <laughs> a few years ago. And uh, we were done. We were done having kids. We were like, yeah, we're good. We got a kid for each hand. And, uh, and on top of that, I, I have a 22-year-old in Ohio, too, so that's another child. And uh, but me and Elena, we were like, we're good. So we went in the doctor to find out our options and everything. And when we were there, we just didn't have peace. We didn't have peace. When you don't have peace, that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, hold on. Let's wait a second. So this would have been us if we didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. Each one of us hear God's voice. If you didn't, you wouldn't have been here today. The, uh, this is us. We would have been not having peace. Surprisingly, this is what peace looks like. Right there. That is, that is the fifth child, and I can't go into it right now, but Adelina, uh, the Lord brought her to us as the bookend of our family, as, as a, a healing for me in areas I didn't even know 
and still don't completely understand, but that completed our family, and we just had peace when she was born. And um, so each one of us, the, uh, where, where does your peace come from? Are you at peace with not contending? Are you at peace with not taking dominion, subduing the earth that the Lord has given you? You know, I, I know that peace starts with the author of peace. And that's Jesus Christ. The God-man that the Lord sent us, his only son, to not just free us from our sin, forgive us from our sin, but bring us into new life. And I'd like to ask everyone to please stand. And um, I'm going to give an opportunity for anyone who, who doesn't know that peace, that today is the day where you can receive peace in your life. And God asks for one thing. You know, and his word says that he, he draws you to him. He draws you. He knew you before the foundation of this world. He has good plans for you. If you're that one that needs to establish, you're like, I can't even, I can't even fathom taking dominion. Or you're the one that's like, I've taken dominion, but it always brings me to limitations. There's plenty of people crushing this world who are limited because they don't have the power of God in their life. They don't have the relationship with the Holy Spirit in their life. I'd like to give that opportunity today. So please uh, uh, bow your heads, close your eyes. If that's you, you want to establish a relationship with Jesus today. The one that said, come to me, all you who are weary, are heavy laden, I will give you rest. The one that said, I must go to the Father so I can send you the comforter. You can partner with him on the call in your life. If that's you and you want to give your life to Christ today, just where you're at, just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front. I just want to acknowledge with you today that your life belongs to God. Your life belongs to Jesus. I see your hand up there, in the top right. Anyone else? Maybe, maybe you're the one that you're like, yeah, I knew him, and he knew me, but I walked away. I did what Adam and Eve did. I said, I don't need God. I can be my own God. If that's you, and you want to come back today, back to Eden, receiving Christ and what he did on the cross, but bringing new life back into you, and you want to rededicate your life to God today and say, Lord, come, lead me, guide me. If that's you today, please raise your hand as well. I see your hand, sir, in the middle. Great job. Anyone else? Let's give a few more seconds. God's calling. <laughs> Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Everyone, please repeat after me, especially if you raised your hand. It's, uh, God's rejoicing right now, so let's rejoice with him. Yeah. Just join me. Say, say Father God, thank you for your faithfulness and goodness. I stand here today of my own free will, and I give my life to you, Lord. Come fill me with your spirit. Lead me and guide me all the days of my life. Thank you. 
Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.